Our gospel this morning is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and can be found on page 1497 in your pew Bible. Matthew records, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the hand of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I'm going to take a quick walk over here because um, today being the epiphany of our Lord Jesus Christ, I want to um, have you focus on our Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to light the Christ candle so that as you hear the sermon, and look over my right shoulder, you will be, oh it is going, you will be uh, reminded of the light that came into the world of darkness. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. You know, for uh, 2,000 years, the story of the Magi has intrigued us. Who were these travelers from the East? Where exactly? In the east, 
Where are they from? What was their real motivation for traveling from a faraway land? And how many of these wise guys were there? You know, three gifts does not mean just three people. What about the light in the sky? Was it an alignment of the planets that God arranged to point to Jesus? Was it a supernova? Was it a celestial miracle? Was there one light? Or was there two lights? Was one to get the Magi in the general vicinity? And another to point out Jesus specifically? Well, perhaps much to our frustration, the Bible answers none. None of these questions. If the Bible tells us nothing about these questions, then what does it tell us, you may be asking? Well, one of the things that we learn from the account of the wise men is that God welcomes Gentiles into his family. This is especially important since many people believe that the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to write this gospel from a Jewish perspective. There are actually two representatives of Gentiles in the account of the wise men coming to worship the Christ child. First of all, the account mentions Herod the Great. And as you may know, or you do know, Herod was an incredibly paranoid and cruel ruler who even killed his own wives and his sons when he thought that they were plotting to take his throne. And one of the surprising facts about Herod was that he was not Jewish at all. He was a Gentile, a Gentile politician who maneuvered himself into Caesar's good graces so that Caesar appointed him king in Jerusalem. And the single most important policy of the Roman Empire was this. It was to maintain the peace within the empire. And Herod used a kind of a, a carrot and a stick approach. When he heard of an insurrection, well, he put it down quickly and with great brutality. Now, on the other hand, Herod went so far as to start an 80-year plan to improve the temple in the hope that this would increase his popularity. It did not work. When Herod died, nobody shed a tear. And Herod is the first Gentile mentioned in this account. Now, after Matthew mentioned Herod, the Holy Spirit inspired him to tell 
about the Magi. The Magi were from the land of the rising sun. We hear of Magi in two other accounts in the Bible. And in both cases, the Magi were high-level advisors to royal families. And perhaps the most famous Magus, Magi's plural, Magus is singular, the most famous Magus of all was Daniel. After the Babylonians kidnapped him and brought him to Babylon, they learned this. They learned that Daniel was ten times wiser than any of the Magus that they had. We know that Daniel was also a prophet of the true God. It is possible that these Magi were from Babylon. The ones that came to see Jesus were from Babylon, and they knew of Daniel's teaching. It's possible they may even have been disciples of the teachings of Daniel. But in any case, the Magi are the other Gentiles mentioned in this account. Now it is from the Magi that we learn that Jesus is for gentle Gentiles as well as Jews. And already at this point in Jesus' life, he is drawing Gentiles to himself. He is definitely drawing the Magi, but he is also drawing Herod as well. The Magi believe in this child Savior and they worship him. Herod rejects his Savior and is afraid. And here we learn this, that there are two ways, two ways for all people. There is firstly the way that the Holy Spirit gives to us faith. Then there is the way of rejection. And Jesus described these ways as recorded in the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now the really sad and insane thing is that Herod had the word of God. He assembled them. You heard me read it. He said all, it was said that all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem, of Judea, for it was written by the prophet. The prophet said, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Here is God's very word spoken to Herod from the mouth of a scribe. Herod 
actually believed. He believed the word as far as the birthplace of Christ. Despite the belief, though, his goal in finding Christ was the destruction instead of worship. As far as the Bible was concerned, Herod was into, well, a sort of smorgasbord plan. You know, there's a lot of people who treat the Bible like a smorgasbord or a hometown country buffet. You know, a, a restaurant that offers many selections of food for you. When I was David's size, people would smile and welcome me in. When I come in there now, they go, oh no. If you examine in a, in a smorgasbord, you examine the food. And you take the food that you like. And you leave the rest behind. Many people treat the Bible the same way. When the Bible says something they want to hear, they take it and they make it their own. When the Bible says something that makes them uncomfortable, well, they may say, I disagree with that part. People who pick and choose the parts of the Bible that they will believe are on the biblical smorgasbord hometown buffet plan. King Herod teaches us that taking the Bible on the cafeteria plan is a, is a really bad idea. He was able to believe that the Christ would be born in Bethlehem, but he was still able to believe that it was okay to destroy Christ. He was quite ready to listen to God's word and then twist, twist it to his own diabolical purpose. And we, like King Herod, we're often smorgasbord or buffet Christians. We really like to feed on those parts of the Bible that tell us about God's love. But then we skip those parts of the Bible that tell us about God's justice. We feast on the parts of the Bible that point out the speck in the other person's eye. But we skip the parts that tell us about the big old plank, the beam that's coming out of our own eye. God gives us a well-balanced spiritual diet in his word. But we want to skip the Brussels sprouts and the other vegetables and just go straight to that dessert. What parts of the Bible, what parts of God's word make us uncomfortable? What parts of God's word do we want to set aside? Are there parts of God's Word that we avoid because maybe they make us feel guilty? There are times when all of us have been like Herod, taking the parts of the Bible that fit our agenda 
and then ignore the rest. We are all guilty of taking the plain meaning of God's word and twisting it in our own will. We are all guilty of skipping over the parts of God's word that make us uncomfortable. And when we do that, when we do that, we are following in Herod's footsteps. The really sad thing about following in Herod's footsteps is that we miss out in the same way that Herod missed out. You see, Herod had the opportunity to meet God in the flesh. He had the opportunity to worship with the Magi. The God who drew the Magi to their Savior by the star, he also extended an invitation to Herod. The same God also extends an invitation to you and to me. Now, God the Father extended that invitation to the person of his son, the little child that the Magi worshipped. He sent his only son from the very heights of heaven to be born in humanity. As God in flesh and blood, he kept the law perfectly in our place. As God in flesh and blood, he took our place on the cross where God punished him for our sins. And this little child kept all of the law. And not just the parts that were pleasant. We know that God's Son finished his mission, for death could not hold him. And after the law, after he kept the law perfectly in our place, after he was obedient to the will of his Father, after he died on the cross and was laid in the tomb, he came back to life. He rose from the dead. His resurrection means that his invitation offers forgiveness and life and salvation. The account of the Magi traveling from the east, it teaches us that God's invitation is for all people, Jew and Gentile alike. This invitation was even for Herod. And Herod teaches us that we can reject this invitation and take the path that leads to eternal destruction. The Magi show us that God, the Holy Spirit, can work faith in anyone. He works the faith that lets us take Jesus up on his invitation. He works the faith that can make anyone part of the family of God. Now, on this Sunday, we observe the Feast of the Epiphany of our Lord. Christmas celebrates God taking on human flesh. 
It celebrates the birth of the God-man, Jesus Christ. Epiphany celebrates the announcement of that birth to the world and the invitation that the God-man, Jesus Christ, extends to all people. I'll be done in a minute, baby girl. Jesus invites us to believe, as Paul writes to the letter of the, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, that after Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He sent the Holy Spirit to work that belief, to work that belief in us. And as the Holy Spirit once used the light of a star to draw the Magi to their Savior, the Holy Spirit now, He uses the light of God's Word to draw us to the same Savior. May this light of God's word continually strengthen us in the faith that leads to eternal life. In the name of Jesus, amen.